RTB AM. I was really triggered. We don't want Johnny Sexton having any part of any Netflix curse ahead of the World Cup. OTB AM. Live weekday mornings from 7.30 on the OTB Sports app. Football on Off The Ball. With Sky. Get all the football you love in one place across Sky Sports, BT Sport and Premier Sports. Now, delighted to be presenting the football show tonight. Uh, you have Dan McDonald of the Irish Independent here with us. Dan, how are you? Michael, how are things? Good, and Mick McCarthy, OTB's Mick McCarthy, is ready with any transfer news as well. So, uh, transfer deadline day, Dan, does it have the same mystique to it, the same excitement to it that it had a couple of years ago? Um, I think it's probably not. It's lost the magic it had in its heyday when it got to the point when Sky then had to ban... You know, stop reporters being outside outside of grounds as they're sort of accosted by a, you know, a group of cheering fans with sex toys hanging around in the backwards, like inflatable ones. You know, I mean, that was the high. You know, particularly as it was like they were at Stoke to announce the loan signing of a player from Leeds, and it was being sort of greeted like a Eurovision victory back in the day or something. You know, um, and it was just it was just theatre rather. And and look, that was entertaining. You also had probably, um, you know, crazy transfers that happened, whereas. I mean, look, stuff is still happening. There are still big clubs involved in deals, but maybe it doesn't have that energy of Man City getting all that money and sort of blowing it um, that they did, you know, Rubinho and a couple of these things that you would do towards um, the end of a window. It's it's not quite that. Um, but yeah, I, th- I think, you know, it's it's reached a point of sort of an element of fatigue with the constant countdown clock. Um, but I say that, like, I mean... Punters like fans, they love transfers. Yeah, they absolutely love transfers. And I mean, you see, like I saw something this morning online, like just, just like this, this fake account that's just nabbing everyone. But but does it, it's the, the best thing to be, you know, like it's an it's an easy hit to be a fake transfer account because it doesn't matter if it's got two followers. You know, people just want the hit of transfer news. Like some people I think are more engaged by transfers sometimes than by actually watching football. The prospect of seeing someone be signed just causes this flurry of activity in a way that actual games do. So I might just be like cynical and fatigued by it <laughs> you know, for years of it. Like there's nothing, say, I know the Matt Doherty thing we'll talk about is obviously outstanding. Um, you know, work-wise, I'm not necessarily here staring at phones, waiting for something to come through, which sometimes will be the case on, on various transfer deadline days. It's not really um, like that tonight. I mean, Chidozi Ogbeni is kind of a quiet. I mean, that could be something that maybe happens. Um, but, but um, yeah, and sometimes that's a bit of a buzz, but I don't know. I don't know, Mick. Like, it's just, it's part of the game. I think, yeah. I think the January one certainly... Is a bit like the, the summer one still has a bit more meaning to it. Um, the January one in recent years is only clubs who are really in a bad way or trying to do loans and short term deals. It's not quite where you make your statement signings or what like Andy Carroll was done in January, wasn't he? There was a couple of sort of yeah, big ones at various times. Still a few, obviously. There has been in this window, but more you know adding depth to your squad rather than maybe the the summer ones maybe feel a little bit more substantial. I ended up down a rabbit hole of Harry Redknapp's best transfer stories and deadline day stories the other night watching videos. It was interesting to say at least, but I don't think I don't think it's at that level anymore. I don't think you hear that kind of. The, there's less crack in it, shall we say? I, that's probably the best way. Well, of it. I think that, as I said, the, the crack is probably influenced by 
um, some of the Sky stuff stopping and okay you'd like Peter out and wingy in a car park or whatever but like there's still <laughs> like there's still stuff that happens like there's still there's still a lot of Harry Redknapp type characters involved in the game um, they're not necessarily rolling down the window leaving the, the the sort of West Ham or Spurs or wherever he was Portsmouth training ground to explain that he saw Nico Crunchcar again you know <laughs> like but but they're, 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 like those figures are still knocking around the place but I know what you mean. Maybe to the same, you know, not to the same degree. I mean, I've made this point before. I mean, Newcastle are playing tonight. You know, just watching it earlier, like the scenes are a bit sort of like you know massive emotion for them, and um, to try and get to a cup final. Not really like the Newcastle thing doesn't do anything for me, unfortunately. But um, like they are the club with the money that you thought would do crazy stuff, but it's almost like a compliment to them that they haven't really lost their minds. Like they are the one with the with the with the finances there to do crazy stuff, but they're not doing it. And generally, the clubs that are quite smart on their recruitment, like you had the like you had the Brighton one in the last couple of days where um, um, Moses Kakedo, who's like wants to leave and and has this like clearly with his agent does this like series of tweets explaining why he wants to leave and and it doesn't work because like Brighton are pretty well set in how they run themselves and now they don't need to do this and you you have like I mean, Chelsea have been doing a bit of mad stuff in this window because they're a little bit crazy at the moment you know yeah. they don't really know what they are and generally the clubs that are smart aren't involved in that and that's maybe why there's more of them possibly than you know there's, there's still a Forest or Chelsea or someone always doing something but they're probably maybe they're minority now in the Premier League Spurs again involved in a lot of stuff but then they're sort of not sure what they are either at the moment potentially Speaking of Spurs obviously the, I wouldn't have you know a massive interest in soccer but the Matt Doherty Football, one, football. We, we, I had we, the over under on soccer references in the hour reviewed the football <laughs> league or reviewed the football league in the last hour um, but the Matt Doherty one definitely the soccer correspondent would be independent so I can't actually, uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I can't actually have a go here but. The Matt Doherty one definitely piqued a lot of people's interest like just talk me through exactly how it happened a lot of people look at and think how did Matt Doherty end up you know in Spain in La Liga with yeah, no, well, it hasn't actually happened yet, but you're kind of, this is one that um, it looks like it's just a pieces of a jigsaw, maybe just need to come together with other deals. I think, like, the Matt Doherty one, I, I think there's a natural, I was just writing about this today, like, there's a natural instinct of Matt Doherty to Atletico Madrid. Like, it's it's that whole thing of uh, there's an Irish player or a player synonymous with English football linked with some big, you know, a European household name or superpower and it's like that's that's mad isn't it mm. but I suppose where football is now A you sort of have to re- just reframe your thinking about that because like the Premier League is now so all powerful like and and killing everyone else that you can have a situation where like Nottingham Forest can spend more money than all the clubs in the other major leagues combined so the idea of uh, a player who's who's got to the level of playing for like Spurs who are a top six club in the Premier League thereabouts going to Atletico Madrid shouldn't really shock you because uh, Atletico Madrid may have a bit more prestige and more glamour about it but Spurs I know Atletico and now they have their financial issues they do have some of the highest paid players manager in the world but they're leaving they have debts in reality like Spurs are in better nick than Atletico Madrid and probably would be if you offered a player um, you know a, a sort of a, a put it on paper and say who would you want to play for Spurs or Atletico Madrid I think most players in the world would probably say Spurs you know so but the Doherty one how he ends up there I mean Matt Doherty like he's an interesting case study he didn't have an agent for most of his football life like he was at Wolves went from Bowes obviously to Wolves you know, all through his mid-20s early to mid-20s Matt Doherty was a championship player 
uh, with Wolves and, and didn't really, you know, he had stuff with his dad, did his representation, um, but he wasn't someone that was, like his, his contract news yeah. wouldn't have been making headlines. Um, then the Portuguese influence came into Wolves. Uh, Matt Doherty's performance, like he, he bought into it, went with them, went to another level, got promoted, it was excellent. And it would have been a talking point at the time. Well, what's the story of Matt Doherty? Like his contract, I don't think he would have been, I think he would have been very lowly paid relative to other players. Um, but Wolves had the big Jorge Mendes influence. They, he was an advisor to their owners. So obviously there was a bit of controversy around that, but they had the Portuguese, like Nuno, the Wolves manager, was Jorge Mendes's first ever client back when he was a goalkeeper. Um, and you had all these Portuguese players coming in. And sure enough, the way of the world, Matt Doherty ended up signing for Guesty Food, who are who have an Irish wing as well. Um, they've got Gary Rogers scouting for them, and they're, they're actually signing a lot of young Irish players, um, including um, Franco Ume, a kid from Cork, who's, who's joining Crystal Palace tonight. Um, but Matt Doherty is a client of of Guesty Food, and uh, and by extension of Mendes. And when you go into the Mendes uh, stable, and I remember speaking to people at the time. When he signed up with them, it was almost a case of, well, you don't know what way things could go for him here now um, in terms of the options, the moves that could happen. Because when you're in that stable, I mean, he's such an influential figure within the game. And this is how transfers work. So, um, you know, we went to Spurs then. Um, Mourinho, Mendes, long-standing relationship with Mendes with the manager. Uh, like Nuno rocked up at Spurs afterwards. Um, Mendes would have good connections with people at Spurs. So um, you have a situation in this window where Spurs are looking to bring in uh, Pedro Paro from Portugal. Um, Atletico Madrid need a need a right back. You need like you know you need people middlemen in the yeah. situation who know who work with all these clubs regularly and know that if someone needs to come in, someone needs to go out. And Matt Doherty is someone um, in that stable as such. It's not massively actually. I was still shocked when I heard it this morning. I was like, it, it has come out completely left field. It hasn't been one that's been flagged or privately. People just not doing anything on it, but they know something's coming. Completely shocked by it. But it's sort of when you hear it, it's like, yeah, it's not surprising. I think if it was, um, you know, if, if Matt Doherty was still being represented, I don't know, by family or, you know, you'd be a little bit more. That's a bit mad. But um, in this instance, not. It's, it's just how the football world works. And, who you sign with and who you're affiliated with will have a massive say on the doors that can open for you. Like the higher up you go in the game, the more that there's all these other layers that will influence deals rather than it just being a sort of a a championship manager style sort of transaction, you know, where people do a search and and looking for, you know, there's there's all these other factors and, and... you know, it's a big part of um, the game now at all levels and, and who you go with can impact on where you can go. Um, but I also think Matt is a good player who's very... Like, he's played as... Like, people are almost can be a little bit sort of... There's a sarcastic tone to some elements of it. Like, how has he, how has he got that move? And A, as I mentioned, like, just the Premier League is so strong now that people have to, like, reframe their yeah, expectations around it um, and understand that if he can play high up in the Premier League, he'll... You know, Atletico Madrid of Molina from Argentina, World Cup winner. Like he's got good competition in the position, but presumably he's been brought in to have an involvement. But also, like Matt Doherty, generally plays has played his best football for Ireland against better teams. It's actually in some of the lesser games he can be a little bit frustrating at times. But you know, watch Matt Doherty play against Portugal. Ironically enough, um, you know the the games in particular the one in Faro, and he was excellent. And you sort of realise. 
is probably someone who could be quite suited with some of his attributes to play in a different country. The super aged thing is fascinating. It's almost like Mendes is just moving chess pieces yeah. here and there, isn't that really? Yeah, that's a, that's pretty much it, you know. And and um, I mean, like you have a situation now. I'm not saying that it's strictly the case, and I'm not saying it's the case in this instance. But generally, like people probably would have a people would think of an agent and think that an agent um, the agents are people who represent players, whereas the landscape now is completely different. Like agents act for clubs as well too. You know, like a lot of the business sometimes for agents now you'll find is that a club might contact an agent and say, um, we want to shift out this player or we want to get in that player. And it's not so much a traditional thing where like, you know, know, a footballer has his guy and he comes in. There's all these other actors and operators and the further you go up the, the levels, almost the more layers that there is. Now, like, we, we've seen these massive super agents who just become incredibly influential and they almost have a monopoly over the market then because people believe, I won't get a move I'm, unless I'm with this agency or That's something company. that's nearly out there now, isn't oh, it? Oh, it is. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Like, it's, it's, it's something where um, if you have a you know, 19, 20-year-old hot prospect, like, they will come under pressure. Mm. And, and and it's the classic thing you'll see now. You'll you'll see someone, you know, s- sign for an agency. And this can happen at all levels. Like, and I maybe deal with it more here at a smaller level. But you see someone signing up with a particular agency. Like, well, they're moving soon, you know. And and that's like it 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 does happen, and it it shouldn't happen, you know. In in mm. theory, like you know, there's there's I know there's a there's a big talking point that I think one theory about this window and it being very active. Um, for for certain big money deals is that I think after a couple more transfer windows the agents fees are going to be regulated a bit more and the amounts they can receive are going to make you know and again like this is more we're talking more so about like bigger deals like Matt Doherty wants a six month loan like that's just a a small one in the general scheme of things but some of these bigger deals now yeah there does appear to be attempts to have some kind of uh, regulation with it but this is football now, you know. Ship has sailed, it feels like, doesn't it? It's going to be putting the tube, toothpaste back in the tube here when it comes to regulating this at this stage. Like financial fair play, you get to a certain point, it's impossible to come back from it, you know, and they're just a yeah. part of the game. Like, Yeah, no, they, they are. And, I mean, like we have a situation here, like in this country now, where um, when you speak to people about it, like most, like most players are sort of... Elite, you know, at League of Ireland under 19 level will have an agent in some shape or form, you know, um, and you'd speak to people here about it and it's like there would have been a time like five, ten years ago where maybe a handful of players in the league might have had proper agents working for them and they were generally ones that are looking to go away. Now, many of us, they all are, um, but now you'll have someone playing a sort of, a I don't know, 10 or 12 games at underage level for sort of, you know, under 17, under 19 for Shells or Cork City or someone and all of a sudden they've got an agent mm. coming to the table. Um, and in Ireland, the pitchers changed again but not could recommend covered this road a long time before, many times before, but Brexit, how the, how the whole thing has changed. Anyway, like this is maybe the broader point as well about like Matt Doherty going to Atletico Madrid and it's like, oh, it's like does that whole thing, reaction of his European club, I mean, Kevin Zeffi's at Inter Milan, Carl Heffernan at AC Milan, um, like more of this is going to happen. Like you know, Irish players spreading their wings and and going to I mean, Doherty's uh, sort of an unusual case because he's such a senior pro. But like in the coming years, but like the point you would make is that actually in some cases, like the the big Italian and Spanish like superpowers 
as they might be discussed in general conversation and someone listening, oh, he's gone to Atletico Madrid, oh, that's, that's huge. But in many cases now, like, you know, Brighton could be a Brighton and, and sort of, you know, Leicester or Nottingham Forest could could be offering better packages, could be like bigger clubs in the context of the opportunities that can be, you know, offered to this player. Um, and some of the other moves can be relatively cheap by comparison. And like that's the product of like the Premier League just being so powerful at the moment. The and Premier like, League is dwarfing ev- most of the everyone, things. That, yeah, I said, yeah. yeah, I don't think it's healthy really. Um, but then, do you know, like that that comes from a place of sort of talking about thinking that in some ways balancing the books in some ways matters. Like the whole football system in England now, if you look at it, and again, the Premier League just clearly massive money knocking around. But if you look down at the championship, the losses that are racked up by clubs are frightening mm-hmm. but it's sort of okay because they'll always find an investor to come in and take over who they will then try and chase the Premier League dream and like you see it now like I mean just like Nottingham Forest springs to mind because I would have been over there a couple of times when um, when Martin O'Neill was there and and the Martin O'Neill Roy Keane thing and like at the time like Forest had been in the championship or or, or but, you know, out of Premier League for like 17 years like I think in the end it was what 20 something when they got up and now they're just now they've got in, now they've got into the Premier League and they are just throwing the cash around. And they're buying players from like clubs who would be, you know, lads who could play in the Champions League in other countries who you would normally think that would be the benchmark where you want to play. But they want to play in the, they want to play in the Premier League instead. Mm. You know, and it's, this is what drives the Super League discussion a lot of these things. It's because clubs in Spain and, you know, in particular Spain, um, are unhappy with this monopoly and then think well maybe we can use our strength to, to create something else that disrupts that that's uh, that, that that's it you know can I just ask you what would your interest be in you know Serie A La Liga now compared like I watched Serie A religiously when I was a young fella yeah. it was just there and it was front and centre and you know it's such big names there whereas now I don't know it just seems so far in the distance now almost I don't know I like uh, I think it, it sort of comes and goes uh Personally, like I think there's just sometimes you're you're trying so hard to keep up with where a lot of the Irish lads are, um, that it's harder to find it. Now now it's different. Like you see, you know, if, like at Udinese at the moment there's Festi Abiselli and, and James Abanqua. Abiselli's been involved a couple of times, Abanqua hasn't been he's been around the squad. So like if they're on I would gravitate yeah. towards that and that's where we go, but if it's that versus I mean, if it's that compared to unfortunately like Preston are playing in the championship I'd gravitate towards that but that's maybe my own sort of work sort of uh, requirements I think I, I don't know like I think the the Liga thing there was that period where the Classico became like it broke through into something yeah, that yeah, everyone was watching like it was the ultimate game and I think that has changed I almost think even I mean maybe the stats don't add up but like at times in the last couple of years the Man City Liverpool games felt like this is the game you want to watch without the the, the historic rivalry and yeah. all that comes with it. Um, but you would have, like, you had that sort of messy Ronaldo era, but even go back to Figo and, and various contentious bits of history. Now, uh, maybe a part of it as well is the league went off, went off the sort of Sky Channels where it actually had such a home and, like, people's preferences are very as much as like people have accessed all sorts of ways of watching games now legally and illegally or whatever it might be um, there is still something about the the familiarity of those sort of like 401 402 403 yeah, yeah. 404 yeah. and when, when uh, it disappeared from that 
I feel like it went out of sight and out of mind for a lot of people because it coincided with um, maybe the the end of one particular era that would have yeah, grabbed yeah. a lot of people. But, but just on, even outside of the Irish stuff, like I was watching Napoli and Roma the other night and it's like, in Napoli are interesting and there's a slight sense of a bit of a resurgence in Serie A but even then you're watching it going God I wonder like that guy is definitely going to the Premier League you know you're, yeah. you're almost watching it or you're thinking Jesus there's Chris Smalling and Tammy Abraham you know it's like out in the wilderness playing for Roma you know what I mean but it yeah, feels like yeah, no, I know. Yeah. it feels like they're sort of like forgotten about or sort of like former players in a way yeah and the, you but know, I, that's no, the reality yeah well that's as like the Premier League is so all powerful and then see the flip side is there would be in this stereotype that would exist about Serie A being defensive and negative which actually isn't true no, there's actually like anymore. that's changed like you know pretty dramatically and at times it's you know it's been as much as Juventus had a dominant period there have been like sort of these vibrant title races with you know Juventus are in the are in Botter again now and, and it seems like history repeating with them. Um, but it is true and like, look, that sometimes that can be a reflection of a narrow-minded focus from our own perspective, you know. Um, it's what you see more now, don't yeah. you? Know, it's, that's far away. You have to go and look for it now almost. You, you do. Know I mean? But like, I mean, and the Napoli story is true. That is one that sort of captures the imagination. But like again, like the, 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 the high end of the Champions League like you have the the Villarreal stories, you do have teams that break through, but like it's a concentration of power again around like a small number of clubs. And I know, I mean, there's there's in saying that there have been English clubs that have struggled at times in the group stages in recent years, but generally, you know, they're the you know in football, like the teams who spend the most get to the top eventually. It's like this Newcastle thing. You think it's going to take time, but ultimately, like your spend. Um, while it doesn't hold true for everyone and people can like you know shout in examples of clubs even the Premier League have spent loads of money and had bad season but generally over time it levels out and the power of the Premier League now it just has a like a drop down effect everywhere and and like to the extent you know the championship now in England there's a huge money flying around the championship like the championship again like is one of the biggest leagues in Europe at the moment and then the drop down from that is League One which is you know in maybe an hour old we go back to our teenage minds, I think, and our perceptions sometimes. And even with the Matt Doherty thing, I think there's a little bit of that. It's like you're thinking Spurs to Atletico Madrid. Oh, totally. You know, yeah. there is a yeah, big, totally. There's a big thing about that. Um, whereas now, like, you know, you've like, look at League One, who are coming over and taking a lot of players from here. And people are like, oh, he's going to the third division. And it's like, well, yeah, I mean, he is going to the third division. But, I mean, the the level of, of you know, income and, and sort of elements that exist around that level even. Um, are sort of uh, scary and I, I sort of I don't know Mick like, I don't know where it stops really like you always assume that something propped up by TV like the, the TV money uh, and particularly the overseas TV deals now more than the, like the sort of English domestic ones you, you assume there's a bubble at some stage but there's been times in recent years like Chelsea looked like they were done for um, with the Abramovich stuff but because you have the opportunity to buy in to take over you know, an established club in the in the Premier League elite, they found someone with loads of money to come in who was just throwing it around in an even more reckless way, you could argue, than the spending before. So, um That yeah. might be inarguable. Actually. Yeah, no, like, <laughs> given what we've seen this month. Like it's just, no, it's just, it's, yeah. it's sort of crazy, really. But, again, I go back to the point, like, everyone loves the, loves transfers you know and like the fans are like you see you see how some of the stuff is teased out you know Chelsea signed someone 
for a huge amount of money and like, I'm not having a go at like journalists I would do this myself you do, like, you do teasers but it's almost like and they're not done you know it's like the sort of uh, the end of like I don't know some wrestling show or something like you know and you put your view right up your street <laughs> you know, like you know com- coming next week or like oh no here comes someone out you know down the here comes another player yeah. and it's like well, surely they can't buy another one and they can but people want to see who it is yeah in wrestling they do vignettes they basically a, a, like an interview or a teaser to, to tee up like a wrestler coming I'd love to see something like that in soccer but I can't see it yeah, that's what yeah. we're getting now with like uh, announcements and stuff like that which have been brilliant that the clubs are doing themselves where they'll pick like I think somebody had one from Shrek there recently you know it's like a, a lot of the clubs are doing those social uh, media the Michael Obafemi yeah, one exa- like, yeah. yeah exactly yeah. Um, remember but, the Santi Cazorla one where he was, uh, it was somewhere in Spain, was it? And he Villarreal, was like, think, yeah, yeah, Villarreal, and it was just like, uh, it's like a tube in the middle of the pitch with a load of smoke, and he's just standing there like that with his arms crossed when all the kind of smoke clears or whatever. But it was just, it's a mad way to announce a player. But uh, <laughs> Antiques order in Qatar now. That's where he is. He's living living his life out there. But actually, even announce somebody becoming like a part of the vernacular. Your point about how people love transfers. Sky Sports News wouldn't be doing basically become transfer uh, television for a month. You know, in January, if people weren't watching it, yeah. weren't into it. We had Matt Slater on from The Athletic a few months ago. He wrote a piece about kind of people, the point you made at the start here, about people are more interested sometimes in transfers and the story of football and who's gone where. Speculation. And, is and that, they yeah. aren't actually watching the stuff. And the, the Athletic's, um, uh, you know, Matt said that the Athletic's uh, analytics would suggest that's absolutely the case, you know, that their interest comes from transfer speculation, transfer, how a transfer happened. Like good journalism, like in-depth stuff, but ultimately not about the game. Yeah, I'll listen. And they have loads of tactic stuff that probably does well too, but not the transfers is what drives the needle. No, but I'd listen, that's it. And I mean, I know myself, like if I'm doing a story about, say, an Irish player, and it could be a reasonably like, low-profile enough one. Like, you know, the, I just mentioned, I suppose, the, the, the player has gone today or has gone from Cork, Crystal Palace, and there's one mark on Matney going to Brighton last week. And like you put out that story that really, to be honest, in this country doesn't necessarily register too much beyond the club he's at. And some people are curious to go, oh, what's the story with the clauses or whatever. But you'll find that the odd one will just completely take off in terms of like an English audience. Because it's like, or like the pearl out of Crystal Palace, like Crystal Palace are just signing a young player for their, like their, for the future. And you're getting all this snark from Palace fans going, this is not what we want. Like We were promised a striker in this window. And it's almost like he gets a bit of abuse for not being like, you know, they, they announce a, a pretty standard piece of business. You know, you sign a young player for the future that every club should be doing. But you get met with a, like a volley of, of abuse going, no, why haven't you signed you know, this sort of, this French lad we've been linked with on YouTube, you know, that I've seen a YouTube clip on and it's clearly brilliant. You know, why can't we sign him? So it's it's, but again, we're all in some ways part of that discussion. Like we're all culpable. It's like you know the 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 intrigue around the business of the game now. Like it's it, it holds people's attention, as Mick says, sometimes for longer than a than the the mechanics of a ninety minute game. So the football show is brought to you by Sky. Watch every live Premier League game this season on Sky Sports, BT Sport, and Premier Sports. Football on off the ball with Sky. Get all the football you love in one place across Sky Sports, BT Sport, and Premier Sports. 
Welcome back to the football show. Delighted to have Dan McDonald of Derrish Independent in studio, and we also have OTB's Mick McCarthy. Mick, you might just run through a few updates because there's a few things happening. Yeah, one or two. We're still waiting on Matt Doherty to complete the loan move to Atletico. Um, Jorginho to Arsenal from Chelsea. Like the league leaders buying a player like a like a player like Jorginho. It's just an interesting move. It's Twelve million. He was out of contract at the end of the season. That has been completed. Um, that's probably the most interesting move that has actually been completed so far. But there's a couple more on the way. Uh, Marcel Sabitzer is uh, officially at Carrington now. He has uh, They've been tracking his move all the way from Germany. It's been one of those classics. Like Where's He's in the air. He's at the airport. <laughs> Honestly, this is what I was hearing during the day. Willow Callan just shouted out, he's at the airport. He's at the airport. So he's actually at Carrington now. So it looks like he'll be signing on loan for Bayern Munich for the end of the season kind of cover for Christian Eriksen who's going to miss about three months it looks like um, Enzo Fernandez is uh, apparently undergoing his medical in Lisbon ahead of moving to Chelsea uh, so that looks like it's going to be 120 million and should be completed tonight not confirmed yet um, the Jorginho thing is completed I already mentioned that Chelsea's uh, Hakim Ziyech uh, it looks like he could be on the way to PSG as well um, Kaylor Navas is going to sign for Forest again not done yet um, obviously, Dan mentioned Franco Ume uh, going to Crystal Palace, and Gavin Kilkenny has moved to Charlton on loan from Bournemouth. He was at Stoke, wasn't he, Dan? So yeah, he he went on loan to Stoke, um, but just didn't work out. I suppose Michael O'Neill left as well. Yeah, they brought him there, and he's gone to Charlton, then a division. Yeah, and then one other piece of Irish news is that uh, kind of unexpected one actually is that um, Shane Duffy has actually signed permanently for Fulham. Uh, he was on loan there, but Fulham can only have two loan players in the squad, and they're signing uh, Cedric Suarez from Arsenal, uh, who's a full-back there. So uh, I don't know to, to make crazy to, to make room for the for like, to make room for Suarez. They're signing a player on loan. They could have probably just sent it back to Brighton, I'd imagine. But look, uh, I think I'd imagine that the terms of their agreement might the recall might not have been there, or the option to recall. I'm not sure. Yeah, it does seem particularly odd because like Fulham were playing in the FA Cup at the weekend against Sunderland. And I remember looking at the team going, even Shane Duffy's not even playing in this cup match. Yeah. And the assumption when he went there, um, start of the season was he was going to go and play. A newly promoted team, signing a sort of an established Premier League centre-back who did well last year. And he hasn't played at all, pretty much. I think he's made, what, four appearances, five appearances. But clearly, I mean, this we go back to earlier on and like how football works. Clearly it's cheaper to sign someone you're not using on a permanent basis. Then face then face the dread of missing out on the player you want to bring in now. Um, now I don't know what type of permanent deal they've signed him on. We won't wait for that to come through. Um, his, his year at Brighton was up. It could be a very short term deal, um, whereby this is just like a loophole that you find. Um, because I don't know, they'll probably have to accompany it with a, a press release and a statement where someone has to say. You know, we see Shane as a part of a long-term future of the club. We plan to play him eventually. Like even though he's like thirty-one, it's not as if he's one for the future. And that's not been disrespectful. Like you know, big Shane Duffy fan, and for what he could, for what he actually could do, his comeback at Brighton was brilliant. So it has been disappointing. It's like he's actually sort of dropped off the map completely. Even in the Irish discussion, you'd be very worried about like Shane Duffy not playing. But now everyone's just, everyone, but looking at Nathan Collins and. Egan is coming back up, it seems, of Sheffield United. Um, you know, uh, Amoba Badele, Dara O'Shea. People aren't as fixated on Shane yeah. Duffy's situation, um, which is a shame because uh, he's a capable player. But again, he's got his own story to tell about. Um, I just, I'd love to know how it's just, if this is genuinely as it's been presented, um, 
how they go up to him and say, "Listen, we just need to we need to do this." Yeah, to get it feels else like in. it's just a it's it's a paper pushing move. It's really, pretty much, it? yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. One other thing that I didn't mention actually is that uh, Pedro Porro, the Sporting Lisbon fullback, is in London at the moment having a medical for Spurs. So you'd imagine that's what's holding up the Doherty thing. Is like once they. Once they sign it, they can release that. Once they sign, yeah, you'd assume so. Yeah, there's a, there is another Atletico player going to Forest, but he's more of a centre half. But um, yeah, I'd imagine this is what happens. Like a lot of flurry of this stuff just goes through between ten and eleven, and a lot of it is just yeah, like you, you get your papers lodged. You have this thing now where the transfer papers are actually. So you, you find out tomorrow morning that some other deals are actually you know have been done as okay, well. Okay late in the day but they, they got you need to just submit them to Premier League headquarters by 11pm I think there was one a couple of years back was it Stephen Kelly was going somewhere but there was a there was this it was the, the year we had the snow do you remember there was like snow yeah, yeah, yeah. around that time of year and it was they even got caught up in transit and had to fax it through but I think there was some kind of they worked around it you know um, so yeah I'd imagine make, that's exactly it that like the, the reports all day from this morning about the Matt Doherty one um, that you know that this was happening and he's gone there, so it would be, it would be very unlucky if it all collapsed now. Can I just ask you a last question about agents and fees and things? Like anecdotally, what are the you know percentage commission fees we're talking here? I know that's probably why they're wanted regulated, but I'd imagine some of these deals are skewed fairly well in favour of agents. Oh, it could be anything, yeah, and and especially when you talk about agents working for clubs as well, because again, people would think of say a, a player's agent and. I don't know, you get 2 or 3% or 4% of like wages or a, sorry, a new contract deal or a fee or whatever it can be. And, and it can be a relationship between the player and the agent. Yeah. But when you throw in like agents working for clubs on like 100 million, 200 million transfers, like, you know, um, like Mino Riola, the late Mino Riola, like around various deals was, was able to go and look for tens of millions himself yeah, okay. you know to to make something happen so this is it like even the grey area around like there, like there are meant to be like agents exams and all these things but it's a little bit uh, it's a bit ad hoc in some ways like you know people can be advisors not agents and, and they can have a they don't it's not really formalised in the way that it's meant to be but as sort of as Mick suggests like the the horses bolted from there. Like even if there's retrospective things people try and do now, the power still exists in the hands of a few who will, as you mentioned, sort of allude to like they'll they'll control the chess pieces and a lot of business that happens. Uh, Dan Michael Obafemi's moved to Burnley, who are obviously going well in the championship. That's a you'd have to think on paper that looks a positive move for him. Yeah, like a sort of um, it is. Yeah, I mean like Burnley are going to be promoted. I suppose the only thing is um, it seems to be alone. It looks like one of those again where like they're they're, they're probably although they're not saying it, um, it's been reported or alluded to that they have to sort of follow through and buy him in the summer. Again, like Burnley are going up, so they're going into the big league where anything can happen. As I mentioned, like get the Premier League money and who knows. But on paper, it's a great opportunity for him. Um, he's had a couple of instances in his career which would worry you a small bit, just in terms of like question marks about his attitude that have been raised at various times. I think Damien Delaney was on here on Saturday talking about it. Um, but we've seen glimpses with Ireland of how good he can be on a good day. And he's going to you know, a decent club, Vincent Company, company the manager. Um, they've been decent this year in terms of like their performances. Josh Cullen is there, is sort of a well-regarded character. And you would hope that 
this is the move that gives him some kind of stability to to sort of showcase ability and, and sort of deliver because it feels like the last couple of years even he's been in a state of flux a lot of the time even when he went when, once he went from Southampton to Swansea and started doing well there was speculation straight away which again suggested there was probably people around them pushing him in directions too yeah. um, and now he's got the move the big move now that presumably he was angling for now to sort of the balls in his court. Is and there like, a pressure to make this move? Ah, there is, yeah, there is. I mean, like, so you see this, like, again, we talk about, I'm not talking again in, in Noble Femi's instance, but generally in some some players now, and we'll probably talk about Evan Ferguson in a minute, like, the the, the dream is to get to that big Premier League contract. Like, that's to something, and I mean, I wouldn't underestimate the sacrifice and the work that's oh, yeah. involved to get to that. Um, but you do see with some of these players that once they get to the, that that sort of top of their mountain they don't they don't push on you know and they drop off from there and um so that question mark it exists around Obafemi and he could argue he'll probably give interviews at various stages and saying it's unfair he's not you know it's 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 very harsh you know and and he'll give his own opinion like people have worked with him managers would say different things but the thing is it's his stage now like he's going to Burnley. All of this is forgotten. Like, like this, the new cycle moves on very fast. Like Aaron Connolly has a bit of a reputation to shed, but you know, scored two goals at the weekend. If he does that for the next six weeks, two months, that will get forgotten quickly enough. Yeah. You move on. The story moves on. Obafemi just needs to go in and play for Burnley like he did for Swansea last year. And if he does, like he's in a great position. Like I think someone like Evan Ferguson comes along. And it's so exciting, and and everyone's sort of captivated by him. Um, and he's eighteen, but like you do forget, I suppose Obafemi did just turn twenty three this month. Aaron Connolly's just turned twenty three this month. Like Adam Eda's in that age bracket as well. Like these lads um, have loads of time left. Actually, yeah, of course. But it's up to them, you know, how they use it. Just on Ferguson, um, I'm just kind of an outsider looking in, and I kind of see how we maybe lose the run of ourselves quite yeah. quite quickly. Is that uh, the question I'll ask you, is the hype real? Yeah, I think, I mean, a couple of years, like I would, you know, see Evan Ferguson, to a lot of people, uh, say, working in the game in this country, and you'd speak to people who are like, follow schoolboy football and League of Ireland underage, like, they've been watching Evan Ferguson for years. You know, like, naturally he break, he bursts onto the, the mainstream yeah, now, course, as such, yeah. in the last couple of weeks, couple of months, and everyone's talking about him. But, like with the sort of strikers I've mentioned, and you can throw Troy Parrot into the mix as well. Um, you would have like spoken to to different people. You'd speak to people all the time, be it sort of agents or you know just people who watch football. You know, ex players, managers of clubs, and you'd ask for opinions about players coming through. And someone might say, "Yeah, I like Ida. He'll be the one." And someone will say someone else, and, and you'd have different views. But everyone is always pretty adamant that Ferguson is going to be okay, the real okay. deal. You know, and. Um, and not just people who are trying to sell them to you because it's their client or something like that like people who have no stake in the game but would just have said a couple of years back yeah like this fella actually has got everything and just fingers crossed he gets lucky uh, with injuries it was the only fear I would have with someone like him and that's the thing when he's crumpled on the pitch on Sunday thinking oh, I've jinxed it here by talking about this um, but like his dad um is from you know has spent his life in the football in the football world Barry like he was in England. what's the FAI does he yeah he was yeah. in England he was in England as a kid with Coventry um, and amongst other clubs uh, came home had a sort of a decent League of Ireland career here you know I think Evan was born 
um, around 10 days before his dad played in the FAI Cup final yeah. you know and like sort of steeped in the game here really works for the FAI um, so he, he's grown up in an environment that he understands the business and he's like his sister is also very talented she's on a sports scholarship in America and you just like this stuff does matter and it's not like you know there's 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 great pros come from all sorts of situations it does help from yeah, his pedigree but it does help yeah, yeah. yeah it does help and you know in, in any code like that can translate um, so um, you know maybe a couple of people would have watched him when he was younger he was like a man at 14 in terms of his physique there would have been that big debate is it right for like Bowes to bring him on against Chelsea that time people thought oh like they're putting him in the shop window the deal to Brighton was actually already in place okay. at that stage um, and he would have been around Bowes during the the only sort of sh- disappointment for me in a way is that when he did play a couple of good times for Bowes in the league it was in the closed door season where no one could go um, but now I think like I'm always conscious of you don't want this uh, clip to be replayed to you in a period of time <laughs> where you've got on board and I think sometimes you do see um, players burst onto the scene and, and people get excited about them but you have a cautious note because you, you, know, you hear a couple of tales about not so sure about the attitude and they've like even when Aaron Connolly came on the scene say people here would have been like brilliant this is fantastic but they would have been about well you know, he's not in the Ireland under 19 squad at the moment because he's had a couple of issues with staff there. And that, that plants a little seed mm. that it may not be plain sailing for him. It might, like, there's growing pains here that you just have to, and hopefully he's the other side of them now. Uh, but Ferguson doesn't appear that those concerns don't exist. Uh, um, Injury wise, how. Doesn't seem that. Yeah. The, the indications are from the early scans, it's no serious damage, but still to be clarified. You presume there's going to be some kind of layoff, but um, all the suggestions are he's feeling good, um, and the first scans have revealed that, like, you know, the, the worst case scenarios have been avoided. So you presume there'll have to be some kind of um, layoff, but, but but fingers crossed it's not a serious or complicated one or a long one. Tron is actually damp, but do, I don't know if we've talked about this. Do we know the circumstances of the choice of Brighton over Liverpool? Because I think it goes to what you're saying about like someone that's coming up in the game and has a lot of like good advice and understands kind of what's ahead rather than yeah. chasing the dream and the big name and the possibility of like being stuck at a club like Liverpool for years trying to get your you know where he probably knew he was close enough to yeah. ready for first team football you know do we know the circumstances or is it just as simple as what I'm saying well see Brighton have a huge footprint in Ireland like, yeah, yeah, as yeah. well which is sort of like worth sort of mentioned like Paddy McCourt's brother Leroy would be involved in scouting for players here John Morling who was now actually back with the FAI sort of as their a football consultant but would have been the head of the Brighton Academy at the time when Ferguson was signed having previously worked in the FAI um, for a long period of time mm-hmm. and so like I'm, 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 I'm actually I don't know if this is what happened but like John Morling would obviously you know if he's speaking to the family like you know he's he would know Barry I'm sure and like yeah, you know yeah. we're working a lot of the same circles I mean Brighton have signed a lot of players from Ireland like and, and continue to do so it has a reputation of being like a terrific academy they would previously have had uh, Dan Ashworth who's gone to to Newcastle now like everything would be top notch there but they also show that there's a pathway so I'm guessing that yeah like it, it was part of the progression um, like there's almost parallels with Nathan Collins in a way mm. who's again his dad is from the football ex-footballer um, and Nathan Collins had all sorts of opportunities to go to bigger clubs than the clubs he's been at 
but went to Stoke, saw a pathway to playing that has led him mm-hmm. to get to where he is now at at twenty one. Um, you know, Evan Ferguson saw a pathway. Um, they were able to sort of get him over. Um, just before the sort of the Brexit door closed as such, and um, he's he's uh, he's you know clearly like. I think Bright- I, I don't know if Brighton are able to give assurances, but you can look and see. Yeah, this it's club gives people clear, a chance, yeah, yeah. and it's not about taking the just taking the maybe the best, the biggest, most glamorous offer straight away. Um, but yeah, I, I think Brighton have a good reputation, and that's why you see you see a lot of people picking there. Um, a lot of the Irish kids going in there would have would have other options as well too. Fitness permitting, where does like is he parachuted into the Ireland situation, or are we biding our time? Or what ah, like it, well, I mean. Stephen Kenny brought him in for the two games in November. He's got two caps already, albeit off the bench. But I mean, and Kenny thought he would move on loan in January and and take off. Mm. And then he wanted, I think, to have him around the squad so that when he comes in in March, it wouldn't be like his first time yeah, around, yeah, which yeah. can sometimes be overwhelming for players. Sometimes it's not. But he's got that out of the way. And as it happened, he's met that breakthrough with Brighton instead. So I think of it like he'll come straight in. Um, he's, I mean, he's technically in already, but to, you know, to, to sort of competitive games, he is going to have to take central billing because oh, he's such he's just such a good player. You know, it's and I think there's, there's still part of me that wonders, like, is he one hundred percent picked for the France game? I, I think my my once he's fit and everything's fine and he's you know he's he's played a couple of games in the build up and this injury isn't that bad. Um, I'm now thinking oh, like he probably still he probably has to play him. I wouldn't have been sure of it initially because of the nature of the game. But then you watch him. You've, like he's played against Kanate a couple of times, and as much as I've talked a couple of times about well, in that game Ireland might want to sort of a, a counter attack and approach. But actually, like Ferguson holds the ball up so well that that's what you need maybe in that type of game to take a little bit of pressure off you if you're struggling. So um, no, like it's you know his life is sort of. You know the the nature of it, like it's, you know, life changes like very quickly for him, and you have to be prepared with someone of that age that at some point along the way there's going to be a little slump or there's going to be a point where a manager wants to take him out of a team and and mind him. Um, but I think Ireland are in a situation where they can't bide their time too much, and if you think you have, like what a lot a lot of people believe is going to be a top Premier League striker, then. Yeah, maybe you just have to seize the day and do it now. Strike well, the iron is hot. Uh, Mick, any other bit of bits of updates or any anything coming through? Nothing that I've seen to update on what we've already talked about. We're still waiting on confirmation on Fernandez, on Sabitzer, and is there anybody else that we're hanging on for? But uh, they're they're I think probably the two main ones that are going to happen tonight, but as yet have not. And obviously Matt Doherty as well. No doubt there'll be plenty more happening in the next hour. Uh, Daniel McDonald from the Irish Independent, thanks a million for joining us. No worries, so, the football show is brought to you by Sky. Watch every live Premier League game this season on Sky Sports, BT Sport and Premier Sports.